Welcome to the Alabama Literacy Networks podcast, which is designed to share information and best practices for literacy in the state of Alabama. We represent various groups working on literacy in the state. We hope to bring a wide variety of resources together to help school leaders, teachers, and parents so that all children read at high levels. We believe that literacy is a fundamental right that is tied to so many positive outcomes that we want for the citizens of Alabama. This podcast was brought to you by Bright Spot Ed LLC, an educational consulting company based in Alabama, providing consulting, professional learning, evaluation services, and resources. Our goal is to highlight the good and replicate it across education. Check us out at brightspoted.com. I'm your host, Dr. Shelley Vale Smith. Today, we will be talking to Dr. Lauren Brannon and Dr. Hannah Schakowsky both of whom are professors at the University of South Alabama in the School of Education, where they train the next generation of teachers specifically in reading. Dr. Schakowsky is an assistant professor of reading education at the University of South Alabama. She began her teaching career in elementary school after earning an elementary education undergraduate degree at Auburn University. She then went on to teach kindergarten and first grade. During her time as an elementary school teacher, she earned her master's degree in reading education from the University of West Florida and a doctorate in reading education from Auburn University. Since graduating with her doctorate, she has continued to explore and learn about more reading education and the science of reading. Dr. Lauren Brannon is an assistant professor of reading education at the University of South Alabama, where she teaches graduate and undergraduate literacy courses and coordinates three graduate elementary education programs. Her research interests include instructional design of elementary literacy, in-service literacy teacher professional development, and pre-service literacy teacher preparation. Dr. Brannon began her teaching career in Mobile County as a first grade teacher, and after five years became a technology teacher where she was awarded Mobile County Public Schools Teacher of the Year and Alabama District One Teacher of the Year. She received her Bachelor of Science in Elementary Education, Masters of Education in Reading Specialist, and Doctor of Philosophy in Instructional Design and Development from the University of South Alabama. Welcome, Dr. Brannon and Dr. Schakowsky. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for having us, Shelley. I'm so glad to be here to talk about one of my favorite topics, reading. Yay! As well, I have. I am so happy to just pick your brain and also talk about how we've incorporated it into uh, our job at South Alabama. Uh, first of all, can you start by telling our listeners what you do specifically in training pre-service teachers? Well, as an assistant professor of reading education, I teach literacy courses, both at the undergraduate and the graduate level. So when we're thinking about pre-service teachers and those undergraduate students, I'm a part of the three literacy courses that we now have in our K-6 collaborative undergrad program. And I specifically, my baby is the foundational one, the very first literacy course that students receive as they're just starting. It's usually one of their first education courses, actually, within the program. Um, And I teach the second course, which provides a review of what Hannah covers in that foundational 
course, that very first course, such as alphabetic principle, phonological awareness, your phonics. And then I dive more into reading fluency, vocabulary, and language comprehension. And the cool thing about my course is that it is one of the first courses they take as part of candidacy in our program. We call it tier two. And so there is a field experience course attached to it. And so through my course, they're actually able to be assigned to a classroom where they can work with a struggling reader throughout the semester and also plan and teach literacy lessons within that classroom and receive feedback from their cooperating teacher and also from their university supervisor. And to piggyback off of Lauren and talking about that first class, sort of with the same detail, we talk about the word recognition part of Scarborough's Rope. So that's really our main focus is looking at phonological awareness, looking at decoding, sight word recognition, really spending our time delving into those components. And there's also a part of that first initial course where we they have to tutor a student. And since this is likely the very first time that they have ever tutored anyone, we really have to work on establishing the principles for effective instruction. And we delve into observing in our classrooms that they're going to be in and and really building a lot of structure in how they assess and then plan based on that. The, um, The third course is the final course taking during their tier three experience before their student teaching semester. And in this course, it's going to focus more on reading intervention really digging down, using assessments to figure out where a student's struggling, and then using that prescriptive teaching with the student. They'll learn more about dyslexia in this course, and then it also focuses more on writing instruction. And we're very excited because this is the first time, literally spring semester started yesterday, the first time this course has been offered. So it's a new, with the Literacy Act, we have been able to get a third reading course in our undergraduate program. Um, Since we transitioned to a collaborative special ed, general ed, sort of like a dual major concept for K-6, we had lost that third class. So now we are so thankful that we have it back and that we can can use those nine credit hours to really benefit our, our teachers to learn how to teach literacy. Absolutely. And that intervention focus with dyslexia and writing instruction is really needed because that seems to be one of the big holes that we're seeing in a lot of our classrooms. So I am super excited to hear you talk about that. Yes. And and that third course also has an attached field experience course. So, you know, they're still out in a different classroom, usually at a different grade level. We try to place them in a lower grade one semester and then an upper grade in the next semester. So they're working with different struggling readers and focusing more on teaching writing that semester. But they are also still required to teach reading and really take on that full reading block for that teacher now that they've completed that coursework. Which is very challenging. This sounds amazing. Can you tell us how this training has changed over the past few years and perhaps especially since you were both trained as teachers? I want to say that, you know, we've always taught the five components of reading. That's something I was trained to do in my initial teacher preparation program. We've always provided our students with opportunities to practice, you know, giving assessments, analyzing those assessments, and then providing 
some tutoring instruction on top of that, and also teaching whole group lessons in those five components. However, what's really new is that we didn't cover each component in as much depth as we are now, and we didn't really do a good job showing the connections between those components and how they work together for skilled reading. So, And they also kind of shared the spotlight with other word-solving strategies and assessments that stemmed from whole language and balanced literacy from the work of Marie Clay and Ken Goodman, such as the fix-up strategies, using picture clues to try to guess what the word would be based on the context of the sentence, and also the running record type of assessment. So it wasn't as specific to the components is what we focus on now. Also, the textbooks you know, have changed. The textbooks that we were selecting in the past, and this was always a struggle for us, was that they were careful to provide an overview of both the bottom-up approach to teaching reading and also the top-down approach, so kind of your, your foundational skills versus your whole language approach. And there was never a textbook that said, this is how you should teach reading based on what research says and and really lay it on the line for our students. And so that was a struggle. I think Hannah and I changed textbooks so many times because we were trying to find something that really did that. And so now with the additional training that we've received and the networking that we've been able to do with other professors and teachers of reading, we've been able to kind of solve that problem. And I think about how when when we really started to grasp the concepts of science of reading, we we went all in. Lauren and I were were eager to learn more. We we wanted to find textbooks that were talking about those concepts that were really based on those theoretical frameworks that drive all of the science of reading and that neuroscience behind it all. So I remember my blood, sweat, and tears. I remember crying to my husband many times, like, we've got to find a book. Every time I buy one, and I bought hundreds of dollars worth of books as we were really delving into this in um, this past summer, even, and saying like, oh, they just don't meet enough of their needs. These students need to have that foundation. They need to understand how the brain works. They need to understand how everything is intertwined together. And it's got to be intensive enough and valuable to them that they can grasp those concepts. So I think textbooks were a huge component for us, not saying that we need to rely on what someone else says, but saying that we need to, we need to have that structure for them because it's so, it's so complex. They need multiple exposures to this content in order to truly grasp it. And especially for undergraduate students. With our graduate students, it's easier to provide them the actual article the journal articles to read. And we can do that a little with our undergrad students, but textbooks usually lay it out a little more clearly, more of a synthesis than what you would by reading all of these different articles about the one topic. Yes. And more practitioner-based, although there is science behind it and we want to push that. We want to make that an emphasis. It needs to be at their reading level, at, at where they come from, where they don't have all of that background knowledge. They don't necessarily know about all of the components of research, but they need to understand that there is someone who is an expert on this and I need to delve into it at that foundational level. I think the textbook component is huge. And so knowing that we are coming up on a revised uh, course of study in Alabama for language arts, and then we will be looking at adopting textbooks again, 
I think that that conversation is going to become increasingly important as we try to equip teachers with the best tools available because we know that their job is so hard and having to gather materials from a bunch of different sources and try to make it all mesh together, it's really a difficult task. I agree. So can you two speak to what you feel like prompted the change in how we were training teachers? Absolutely. Participating in letters training, the state of Alabama was generous enough to invite higher ed literacy faculty to join kindergarten or excuse me, pre-kindergarten through third grade teachers and being trained in the science of reading through letters. And so Hannah and I, as lifelong learners, were always eager to learn more. So we were like, yes, sign us up. And so we have we are finishing up our, one of our final units in letters now. And we also had the opportunity to go through the first volumes um, facilitator training for letters, which was led by Mary Dahlgren and Judy Dodson, which was amazing. The knowledge and experience and passion that they brought to the table for reading was just amazing. And on top of that, Carol Tolman and Louisa Moats joined us and came in and did little mini lessons with us. And it was just awesome. Just the level of knowledge that they have and their ability to communicate that knowledge with us was wonderful. So any doubts I had at the end of that facilitator training, that were, they were gone by the end of it. <laughs> Excellent. Did you have something you wanted to add? Um, well, I just, I think that for us as lifelong learners, Lauren and I really had to, we had challenges with it. I mean, they talked about, I remember Judy Dotson talking about how we grieve the fact that we learned something and not all of that is truly supported by this research. And, and we talk so much about the pendulum shift and, you know, is this just one more thing or not? But I think the fact that, that we're looking and we're able to see brain functioning and connections, I mean, nothing can dispute that. That has so much value. So I think that it pushed us into understanding not only that we need to provide that instruction from the very beginning with our pre-service teachers, we don't want them to be like us, where we got a mixture of mentalities on how to teach, and now we're having to regroup and rethink about it all. We want them from the very beginning to understand this foundation. And also, I think the facilitator training, we, I remember latching onto the letters training initially and taking so many, so many notes and delving into it. But facilitator training and doing it again, looking at that lens again, helped to solidify it for us. And so I think since we have three courses with our students, and Lauren and I were even talking this morning, reinforcing that again multiple times helping to solidify that knowledge in their brain so that when they go out and teach, they are not novice about it. They own it. Right. And I think one of the most powerful things about letters was its ability to communicate the convergence of research findings from several disciplines. Research that I, with a PhD, had never heard before. Mm -hmm. And so that was just so powerful for me because as a researcher, I often kind of get stuck in my own little world, the things that I'm studying. And so I don't read as widely as I should just I mean, that's just real life in, in the world of a professor. You know, we, we have the, the demands to publish and to, to, to do research, which is wonderful, but it does narrow our focus some. And so letters really 
widened that or broadened that lens for us to see this research, not only from education research, but from neuroscience, from linguistics. Mm-hmm. Well, and the impact of seeing that research, I love Hannah, that you, you talked about, it was hard to dispute. And, and so sometimes we have to stop thinking that we were right and how we were trained. And that's so hard. And so I love that you included the part about grieving. And I've heard lots of teachers talk about, I wish I had known this a long time ago. And having this kind of grief over, if I had known this 20 years ago, how many kids I could have affected and helped more than I did. And so it is hard to dispute science. And so I love that that you guys love the science like I do. So have you been able to see a change in the success rate of the teachers that you're training? Since we just began our transition and the change of our coursework in the fall, we haven't really been able to see any long-term effects yet. However, just through conversations with our students, And the quality of lessons that they plan and submit to us, we've been able to see that, like Hannah said, they're starting to own this knowledge. They're able to use it and make decisions with that information. And we can really see that they get it. This isn't really the the best measure of success, but of course, measuring our students' content knowledge is important for us as a college And so our students in Alabama are required to pass the teaching reading praxis. And so we're we're waiting to see how that first group of students who took the test after taking these newly revised courses, uh, how they fare and how they compare to students from the past. Have we um, done better teaching the content as a result of these changes? I can see within my course too, this is definitely an area we can do more research on. I think that that's what I see from this is that we, as we transitioned, I started a little bit last spring, as you know, last spring was quite a doozy of a semester to begin with, with the pandemic. However, I can see it in my students as I become more knowledgeable about it and communicating it to them that their, their use of terminology, the fact that they understand articulation in itself is incredible to me and and something that I wasn't teaching before um, that I think builds upon that research that we were talking about with the science of reading. But their terminology, they had to write at the end of my intro reading course in the fall, they had to write a letter to parents. And I remember continually, I mean, they were amazing letters. They really showed specific evidence of how their students were doing. They showed how they tried to support them. They had plenty of wonderful suggestions of how parents could support their students in the future. But the only thing that I really had to ask them to question and to to continue to improve was to explain the terms. They had become so ingrained in them that they didn't even remember that they had just learned them themselves. And their parents of these students were not going to necessarily know what phonological awareness was or phony manipulation. And so it said something that they were so knowledgeable about it and comfortable with the content that they'd even forgotten how far they had come in that semester. That's really encouraging news to know that it's really sinking in with those teachers. And so I can't wait to see the data on the praxis and to see what kind of impact the change in the courses has had on it. I know that you haven't been able to change the whole process overnight. What have been some of the wins and what do you still want to get better at with training these pre-service teachers? 
think that a huge win for us at the University of South Alabama is that five of our literacy faculty members have gone through letters training together. And of course, this has led to many conversations about our coursework and our program and what we're doing and how we can make improvements to it. So it's definitely been a team effort to revise our coursework and really rethink how we're doing things and the the depth that we're addressing things. And we haven't had to deal with pushback from other faculty members who may have differing ideologies about how to teach reading. And I know that's not the case at all universities. And so we have really come together on this and learned together and started to make changes together. Another win, I would say for me personally, has been just that community of lifelong learners around the science of reading that we've been able to become part of through different Facebook groups. I think I probably have five different science of reading Facebook groups that I'm a member of. And so through that, it's helped to lead us to find better textbooks for our courses. One of the, I think it's the Teaching Reading Rocket Scientists Facebook groups that's specific to higher ed. That's been a really great resource for me. You asked what we would still want to get better at in training our pre-service teachers. So One goal that Hannah and I have for our graduate program is to have it accredited by the International Dyslexia Association. So we've printed out the paperwork for that, and we've begun talking with our state IDA president about it, and we're really starting to look at the courses and look at the requirements for that to have that done and receive that accreditation in our our graduate reading specialist program. That's our first program we'd like to tackle, or we hope that our students will come away with an additional certification through that, taking the KPRE exam. And having this level of training in our area will really help our community, those struggling readers, with the the increase in knowledge of teaching reading. So exciting stuff to come if we can make that happen. I'm assuming that most universities in the state don't have that. Would you be the first? I think we would be the first. I think already this is a great uh, promo for hiring University of South Alabama graduates for teaching positions. And so if you can get the other, then you really will be giving your students a a leg up on being hired. Absolutely. And I think about as the reading specialist program coordinator, the emails that I receive about how can I meet the needs of students with dyslexia, and they are craving knowledge about it. So not only are we thinking about how to best meet them, but they're also needing it. They're also seeing the value of it. And and that connection for us, I think hopefully will help bridge that lack of knowledge that a lot of reading teachers have when it comes to addressing and meeting their dyslexic students' needs. Well, because you as pre-service and even with your graduate students, you're only reaching a percentage of our current teachers. And so it does help to have these newly trained, highly trained people in our schools because that can sometimes open the door for people who otherwise wouldn't have been interested in learning something new. If the person next to you is having great success, then I want to go and see what they're doing that I don't know. Absolutely. I think that something that we really pushed this semester, and, and and I was talking with Lauren about this earlier this morning as well, is that every single time we have our s- curriculum is met into modules. So we have, I think, six modules in the first reading course. And something that I emphasize from the very first week of every single module is let's come back. 
Let's come back to the reading rope. Let's come back to simple view of reading. Let's think about the brain and how the brain functions with oral language. How does it function when we start to think about orthographic print? So we came back to that over and over again. And by the end of the semester, I remember talking about it again and saying, I hope you're tired of it. I hope that you're like, I've heard this enough, please stop. Because that tells me that you have got a better understanding of it, that you were becoming more comfortable with it. And when I was talking to Lauren earlier, she was also mentioning, well, that's where we're starting with our second course. We're reviewing the science of reading again. We're thinking about those, that framework. So we want them to be, it's to be so ingrained in their mind so that they can think about how it is influenced. Because when we're teaching, especially new teachers, there's so much to think about. We don't want that to be yet another handicap for them that they don't understand well. Right. Our goal for them is to be smarter than the program that they're um, being asked to teach so that they can make instructional decisions based on the needs of their students and based on best practices supported by research. That's a great statement, smarter than the program that they teach. And so I'm all about that. I'm really interested in the adolescent literacy world. Is there anything going on with adolescent literacy and teacher training programs right now? While secondary education is not really our specialty, we focus more on elementary, our reading specialist program provides certification in pre-K through 12th grades. So this program requires that they have experiences teaching at each of the education levels in elementary, in middle, and in high school. Through their coursework, they take a course in secondary literacy that focuses on teaching reading in the content areas. This is definitely an area where Hannah and I need to grow and collaborate with our secondary educators within our own university and see how we can address this. I also think about, I just started an alternative master's course that sort of mirrors that first intro pre-service undergrad reading course. And I had quite a few secondary students in it. And I remember at the very beginning of the semester in fall, when I first started teaching it, I'm being a little nervous about, okay, they're just about to start this foundations of reading course in their secondary. How are they going to take this? And I vividly remember one of the students that was in secondary at the very end of the semester, he said, I saw that you're teaching another reading course next semester. Can I sign up for it? And it happened to be a reading specialist course. So it wasn't It wasn't really geared for him, but he benefited so much from it, from understanding where students come from, because he's specifically interested in populations that are um, special needs. So they are, their reading grade level is much lower than what grade level they are in. So they may still be struggling with those foundational skills. So I think that bridging the gap in both directions, getting our secondary students, and I'm so glad that they suggested this as an elective for them to understand where it all starts and also to get our reading specialist students where we don't necessarily have the expertise in secondary to bridge that gap and have um, those secondary professors to help support them as well. I like it. So I know both of you research effective reading instruction. What are some of the promising practices that you wish you could spread across Alabama schools? That might be a long list. I don't know. Right. So my, my research has been sort of broad. But my most recent research has been about the implementation of an instructional approach called team-based learning in teacher preparation. There's not a lot of research about it. We have kind of 
been blazing that trail, <laughs> Hannah and I. And it's something I'm very passionate about and because it allows our pre-service teachers to place themselves in the shoes of an in-service teacher and to make instructional and assessment decisions just like an in-service teacher will have to do. And so they work in permanent teams throughout the semester. And so instead of lecture, they come to class having already viewed video lectures or read the textbook chapters. And so they come with that knowledge. And so our goal is to apply that knowledge to real world situations. And so they, they work with their teams to solve the problem within their team. And then each team will share out their decision and provide an explanation of why they believe this is the best decision. And then the teams can debate among one another and really dig into the content and the why to really understand and use that content. I really love that instructional approach. And um, I feel like it, it helps our students to be successful instead of just knowing the content, being able to use it and discuss it and defend their stance um, in particular issues. When I think about Alabama as a whole, it reminds me of how wonderful Mississippi has has really taken the task of, as a state, thinking about the science of reading and how to provide professional development for their pre-service and in-service teachers. And I and I see Alabama latching on to those same concepts and thinking about it. Like for instance, letters training and that and that statewide initiative to do it. I think that that is a golden ticket for us to continue to grow as teachers even when you're in the classroom and you're maybe not taking courses at a university. So I think that that is a wonderful thing that Alabama is already showing initiative on. I know that we have spoken before about how, you know, that's really focused on K3, kindergarten through third grade, that a portion of the letters, which I'm also going through is early childhood. So before pre-K, but I think we need to continue to push as a state. And Lauren is also looking into this and wanting to delve into this research of what do we do with our students as they get older, third through fifth grade students. And then I know, Shelly, you've talked to, to us already about what do we do to meet the needs of our secondary students and, and making sure that our teachers are prepared to teach them very effectively. So I see the shift being at a larger scale, not just the primary. I love primary. That's where my heart is. But seeing that we don't want to lose them as they start to move into reading to learn instead of learning to read. We've still got to build their knowledge and to think about morphology and syllabication and the value of still dissecting our language. It is so complex. It comes from so many origins. Um, we need to understand that as well as how can we meet them to become stronger readers and thinking about their mental model and bringing their background knowledge in whenever they are reading and trying to understand what the text is saying. I agree. Yeah, I do think that there are different things that the different grade levels need to know. High school English teacher, I needed a different set of skills for my students versus what my third through fourth grade teachers at my elementary school where I was the principal needed. And so I do think the more we get into it, the more we realize we still have so much more work to do. But that is the exciting thing about this work is that we keep learning, you know, how we get better and how we help kids. So 
thank you both so much for being with us today. I appreciate what you're doing for our pre-service teachers and for all of the students that they will eventually teach. Thank you for having us today, Shelly. It's been great to talk with you. It has. I feel like I could pick your brain for many more hours. <laughs> yeah. Uh, likewise, we'll just uh, we'll do this again very soon. And you know, I would love to to follow back and see you know what the data looks like from those Praxis scores, and to see what are the impacts of the kinds of instruction that our pre-service teachers are getting now, and especially how does that translate to the success of our students? So I can't wait to have you back on with the update. So yes. this is only the beginning of the journey for us. Absolutely. Thank you both. Join us again next week for the next episode of the Alabama Literacy Network podcast.